from a secret location in room 100 of 540 Jack Gibbs Boulevard, this is Craft. I'm your host, Doug Dangler. Christina Baker-Klein is the author of six novels, including the best-selling Orphan Train. And her latest release is A Piece of the World, which focuses on Christina Olson, the inspiration for Andrew Wyeth's 1948 painting, Christina's World. Baker-Klein will be in Columbus on Thursday, February 23rd with The Thurber House. More information is available at crafttheshow.com. Welcome to Craft, Christina Baker-Klein. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. So what got you interested in the backstory behind Andrew Wyeth's very famous painting, which I assume most people have seen? (laughs) I think many people have seen it, although some probably have not. And when I come to Columbus, I'll be doing a slideshow that is um, uh, filled with images of the painting and of some of Wyeth's other work. And um, and I think if you don't know what the painting is, it doesn't matter. Um, and I hope that's true in reading the book as well, that it, it was a visual prompt and it's important to the story on some level, but ultimately it's a story about um, perseverance and uh, you know I think a lot of people will 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 be able to connect to that without without the painting. But anyway, um, how did I first learn about it? Well, I grew I my family moved to Maine when we were, when I was about six years old, and my father was a very adventurous spirit, and we would travel around the state and do things like ambush E. B. White in his at his home, you know, um, having read all, all those books. And, uh, and another thing we did is trespass um, in the field where Christina um, posed. I mean, she didn't, it's where Andrew Wyeth put her. She, to be technical, she didn't quite pose there. But at any rate, we went to the Christina Olsen house before it was a part of the Farnsworth Museum in Maine, and we trespassed, and, and my name is Christina, my grandmother's name is Christina, and so is my mother, so three Christinas in a row, and my grandmother was born pretty much at the same time as Christina Olsen, the woman in the painting, um, lived in a similar way in a rural farmhouse, had a sort of debilitating illness when she was young, and so there were all these parallels when I was young, and um, you know, when you write novels, you bring, you pull inspiration from all over the place. And this is my sixth novel. I didn't necessarily know that I would end up writing about this story, but once I started, it seemed to be tailor-made for me. I had all these connections to it. Mm-hmm. So how did it go for you writing about somebody with the first, the same first name? Because I dabble a little in fiction and that would unnerve me even more unnerving. I think would be writing about somebody that was a real person who, so you keep looking at the page as if you're writing about yourself. Christina did this, Christina did that. (laughs) It's funny. That didn't bother me. I thought it might. Um, Christina Olsen and I are very different. I did feel as I was writing it and, especially as I got toward the end that I, that I, that I really understood her um, and that I empathized with her and that I kind of inhabited her. It became this obsession. It actually wasn't, I'm sorry to say this, but it wasn't that fun an experience to write this book. I mean, there are Mm -hmm. some books I've written that were quicker and easier to write. This book was, a bit of an agony to write because every word felt so important. And because I was, I felt the weight of history. I was trying to tell a story that actually was true on many levels. In other words, 
I wrote a first-person narrative about this woman. It's an internal story. It's sort of, I think, a philosophical meditation on what it means to be alive on some level. That's what it is. But um, at the same time, I because it's because Christina Olsen lived, and because many of the people in the book are still alive, um, I actually felt a responsibility to try to be factually accurate as best as I could. So the book is pretty true in terms of the facts. Um, and that was a real challenge. So did you speak to, uh, I'm assuming some of these folks yeah, who are still alive, did. Um, and did you give them approval to the things that you'd written? No. Did you show them to I didn't give. I didn't give them approval, but um, uh, for example, two of the tour guides at the Christina Olsen house, and the wonderful thing about tour guides is that oftentimes they are complete obsessives. You know, they go <laughs> really deep. They've learned everything. They they make a game out of learning as much as they can about the uh, place that they're um, they're talking about. And so I met these two wonderful women who um, who led very different kinds of tours and were interested in kind of different things. Um, they both read the book when I was done, really to help me fact check. I know that sounds ridiculous, fact checking a novel, but I did. Betsy Wyeth, the widow of Andrew Wyeth, is still alive, and his children are alive, and there are Olsen family members, Christina's family, still alive. So I, I wanted, as I said, I, I didn't want anyone to feel that I was kind um, of, I, I guess, making, making it all up. And the other aspect is that the story itself and the stories about her are so amazingly interesting. Um, her real life was fascinating, and her family history as well. So I found out all this stuff and I couldn't believe my good fortune. Like there were just wonderful stories in her life. Were there any stories that you weren't able to weave into the book that still stay with you about uh, Christina Olson? Things that you say, man, I really wanted to use this. It's a great story, but I didn't get a chance to in the book. It wasn't right narratively. Um, in a way, it was lucky for me that the facts of this woman's life are scant. So <laughs> her, because I know I kind of used what was available. Um, someone would write a sentence or two, like she had um, her niece, Jean Olson, uh, wrote sort of a biography of Christina, and it was it's it's a it's a slim book now out of print, actually, but it was filled with detail. Um, the detail would be like two sentences on something, and then I would turn that into a chapter. So I kind of did her. She, this is a woman who led a very simple life. She lived on the coast of Maine in a house without heat or running water or electricity or any modern amenities. She had a degenerative ailment illness that um, eventually stole her mobility and she um, she let she lived simply she almost never left and that I know that sounds very, very boring but it, I don't think it is boring actually um, she had such a rich inner life I mean by all accounts the real Christina Olsen was incredibly bright and wickedly funny and smart um, and also a little bit shy uh, so I wanted to show those things um, and also, um, really to have her kind of, her whole life, as I said, as I said earlier, is a meditation. Her whole life is, um, she's always in her own head. I mean, that's sort of the way she had to live because she didn't really go anywhere. So she's always playing with 
the few elements of her life. I came to feel that writing this novel was like writing a sestina, which is a very controlled poetic form where you repeat words in a certain way and um, different themes come back and are woven through. And if you do it successfully, it's very hard. It's like a Chinese, it's like a series of Chinese boxes or something. You, everything has to fit perfectly. Um, and that was how this novel felt. I had limited elements uh, stylistically and creatively to, to work with, um, limited metaphors, and then those kept, if you've read it, you know this, they, I'll, I would bring something up and then it would be woven through the whole book. Mm-hmm. And so that was really exciting, but also hard. Yeah. Is that part of what the anguish was you referred to earlier, um, keeping the, all those structures moving throughout the book and um, weaving them around in, in that way? Was that part of what made it hard? Yeah, I mean, my last... So it, this novel has some similarities to my novel Orphan Train, which is the previous one, um, in that they're, they both take place in partly in rural America, um, sort of farm life and hard scrabble existence in the first half of the 20th century. So in that way, they're similar. But Orphan Train had all this natural momentum built in. The drama essentially was external. So my character is literally moving through the whole book. She's going from one place to another. She's seeing new sites everywhere she goes. So as a writer, it makes my it makes your job a lot easier because you don't have to m- manufacture the drama. The drama is actually happening on the page uh, because your character experiences all these new things, and a lot of them are scary or dramatic, exciting. Um, in this novel, as I said, nothing happens, and so um, <laughs> you know it was internal. The drama was internal, and part of my anguish in writing it is that um, I had to I had to manuf I had to create the, the drama internally. Every moment of movement in the book was hard won on my, on my part. Mm-hmm. What, when you were writing a book like this, when, uh, what's a typical day for you? I mean, you've described it as anguish. You've described um, what must be a lot of <laughs> that research. That doesn't sound very good, does it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I like that. Um, I think it paired nicely with nothing happens in this novel. Um, because that's that's a great line for your publisher to use at the front I of the actually, book. I actually, I did an event and my editor was sitting in the room and I could just see her shaking her head like, I cannot believe you're saying that. <laughs> well, you know, Seinfeld got away with saying it was a show about nothing. Yeah, so exactly. And you know, it's a little, it's a little bit tongue in cheek because of, because right. of course lots of things happen in the novel. Um, uh, I have a very uh, low threshold for boredom. I get bored really easily. So... I don't, and I, I'm trying to be objective here about my own work, but I actually do not think this is a boring book. I think that um, despite the fact that the changes are are small um, and in, and internal, and the stories are, it's not about um, you know enormous movements of the change. Um, I do think that what I tried to do, and what was again hard about this book, but ultimately, truly the most satisfying thing I've ever done is to stay very close to the bone, uh, to stay very connected emotionally with this character. In writing it in the first person, I just I got as close to her as I could. I wanted to show her frustration, her joys, her small victories, and her sadness when things didn't work out. And it was sometimes almost unbearably sad because, again, it was based on a true story. And 
this woman had a hard life. But, but what happened that was exciting and what I wanted to show in the book is that when Andrew Wyeth came into her life, she was sort of at a low point and he transformed her existence. He saw her. He recognized her. He talked to her like an equal. He saw her as a really smart person. And they had many conversations, in fact, you know, for hours and hours. And the epigraph of my book is um, someone asked Christina, like a reporter asked her what she and Andy talked about for all those hours, Andy, Andy, Andrew Wyeth. And she said, uh, nothing foolish. (laughs) <laughs> which I thought was so great. <laughs> That's nice. And, um, yeah, and I want to say I, I'm in no way, um, I, I didn't want to suggest that the book was boring or anything far from that. Um, I, I think that your exploration of the interiority um, is really, really great in the book. And um, it it brought to mind um, this funny um, sort of dichotomy I don't know if that's exactly the word I'm looking for, but everything was so interior with uh, Christina, but her painting that she's going to be, you know, remembered for, it's all outside, you know, and, and show and, but has that it's, I remember the first time I saw it thinking, I think as a lot of people do, what is she looking at? Um, What is the, the, what is the farmhouse? What what happened in the farmhouse? Why is she in the field? And uh, all this externalized stuff where it's actually a place that I, I, like you said, she wasn't painted there. And I kind of doubt that she got to go there very much as she got older when she was younger. Um, I think that she was there. But then the illness that you write about that um, started the slow decline of her ability to move. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just did I did an NPR interview uh, yesterday, and um, they at the end of my interview, they played an interview with Andrew Wyeth talking about her, um, which I actually hadn't heard. And he said what I, I know to be true, which is that her parents were buried in that graveyard, and she would drag herself down there to see them. And one day he saw her out the window doing that and he was sort of intrigued and inspired to paint her um and he did pose her up near the house and he did sketches but he did she wasn't actually sitting in the field it was sort of his memory of it um it as the model for the painting one other quick thing i just wanted to tell you and i'll have a slide to show this picture when i come um the artist the photographer cindy sherman has this photograph that I saw at the Museum of Modern Art, you know, it's like a thousand times as big as a human, like the whole wall. And it is, Cindy Sherman always photographs herself in, as different characters. And it was a woman in a field turning her face to the camera. And it was um, in the description, they said Cindy Sherman was imagining what it would have been like if Christina had turned her head. And that was sort of what I wanted to show too. Mm-hmm. You know that I have to say that that's a haunting image that she's dragging herself to the graveyard. That is so depressing. <laughs> and you know what else? This is kind of crazy too. Um, when Andrew Wyeth died uh, in 2001, he requested permission from the Olson family to be buried next to Christina in the graveyard. Really? He's he's buried there. And no, nobody else in his family. Wow. <laughs> it's just Andrew Wyeth. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Yeah. Uh, I can see why this novel would be difficult to write. Um, how did his wife respond to that? I mean... Well, see, Betsy was so much younger. In fact, 
the torso of the figure in the painting is really Betsy, his young wife. He was 22, and Betsy was 17 when she introduced Andy to Christina, who was actually much older. She was in her mid-40s when they met. And then it was nine years later that he did the famous painting, this painting. He did a number. He did many paintings of her. He, well, he did not so many of her, but sketches and watercolors and things. He did 300 or so paintings altogether of the house and all of it. Um, but so she, when, he pa- when he painted her, she was 55 and he was 31, I guess. Mm-hmm. So he, she was much older. She was infirm. Uh, Betsy had grown up around that house, take, helping Christina do dishes and things like that. When she was nine years old, she showed up on the doorstep and just helped Christina out. So she didn't mind at all. And in fact, Betsy was so ambitious for Andy. She ran his career. She managed him. Um, that she was delighted. He, he, throughout his life, he was sort of a serial monogamist with his subjects. Like he would. Um, practically move into people's houses and just do lots and lots of paintings of them. All of that went became notorious when he did the Helga paintings much later, right. which may or may not have been what you're wondering about, which is a physical relationship. I mean, right. I suspect actually it might have been, but certainly not with Christina. It was uh, he just was fascinated with their life there on the farm. That is all great information, and I'm sure that it'll be a great talk on Thursday, February 23rd, when you're with the Thurber House in Columbus, Ohio. And Christina Baker-Klein, I thank you very much for talking to me today. Thank you so much. I really look forward to coming. For more information from my guests, visit www.crafttheshow.com. This is Doug Dangler. Until next time, be creative. Be creative.